Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 15. 2 Samuel and chapter number 15. We are continuing with our series of the life and ministry of David. And we are rolling through the book of 2 Samuel. And of course the emphasis that is placed in the 2 Samuel is the idea of consequences. That all actions, both good and bad, have consequences. However, it is oftentimes the bad consequences that are easily seen and easily traced. We are seeing in the midst of 2 Samuel chapter 15, we are seeing consequences. That we have seen so far that David had one night in sin with Bathsheba. And that one night in sin that he thought would be done and over with, one night in sin that he thought would have no consequences, just one little thing, he thought it would be done and over with, but that branched off to many horrible sins. We know that after that night, it wasn't too long until Bathsheba sent a message to David saying, guess what I'm going to be having in nine months? And David went in panic mode and tried to cover up his sin. When his sin could not be covered up, he then resorted to murder. So one night in sin led to murder. He dealt with that murder and dealt with the consequences of that until the baby was born. After the baby was born, God sent Nathan the prophet to put his old bony finger in the king's face and say, thou art the man. Well, David was always a good repenter. And so when it was pointed out to him, he penned the book of... um, the chapter of Psalm 51, which is David's prayer to get right with God, to encourage us there is a way with God. However, it was during that time with the confrontation of Nathan the prophet that there was a fourfold judgment that was pronounced upon David's family with the addition that the sword would never leave David's family. And the first consequence of it was the death of the child with David and Bathsheba. It perished. As another consequence, we had the rape of Tamar, which led to the death of Ammon. With the death of Ammon, Absalom, who was Amnon's killer, has now led a rebellion. We know that there's time gone on, approximately 10 years from the time of Tamar's rape to the time that Absalom broke out into full rebellion. And during this time is probably the darkest time in David's life. And David had already had some dark times. But it's also during the dark times that you find out who your friends really are. And you find out who your enemies really are. And what's going to happen is that different men and women are going to pop up to the forefront. And what we're going to see in the next several messages is different character studies. Different people that pop up in the annals of history. Some of them align with David and risk their lives to help David. And there are others who 
exposed themselves that they were never for David in the first place. And what we're going to see in the next several messages is these character studies putting an emphasis and a highlight on each one of these people in the hardest part of David's life. And the text that we'll read today, we're not going to see one, but three different individuals that pop up to be an assistance to David during this dark time. So with you, if you wouldn't mind, to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15, and notice with me starting at verse number 17. 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 17. And the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in a place that was far off. And all of his servants passed on beside him, and all of the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and all of the Gittites, six hundred men which came after him from Gath, passed on before the king. Then the king said to Aita, the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, should I make this day make thee go up and down with us? Seeing I go whither I may, return thou and take back thy brethren. Mercy and truth be with thee. And Ayata answered the king and said, As the Lord liveth, and as my Lord the king liveth, surely in what place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also will thy servant be. And David said to Ayata, Go and pass over. And Ayata the Gittite passed over all of his men and all the little ones that were with him. And all of the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. And the king himself passed over the brook Kidron. And all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. And lo, Zadok also, and all the Levites that were with him, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God, and Abathar went up, until all the people had done passing out of the city. And the king said unto Zadok, Carry back the ark of God into the city. If I find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he say thus, or but if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. And the king said also unto Zadok the priest, Are not thou a seer? Return into the city in peace, and your two sons with you, Amhez thy son, and Jonathan the son of Abathar. See, I will tarry in the plain of the wilderness until there come a word from you to certify me. Zadok therefore and Abathar carried the ark of God again to Jerusalem, and they tarried there. And David went by the, mount, the, by the ascent of Mount Olivet, and wept as he went up, and had his head covered. And he went barefoot, and all the people that were with him covered every man his head. And they went up weeping as they went up. And one told David, saying, Ahipothel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahipothel into foolishness. And it came to pass, when David 
was come up to the top of the mount, that he worshipped God, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat, coat rent and, da- and earth upon his head. And unto whom David said, If thou passest on with me, then thou shalt be a burden unto me. But if thou return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant hereto, so will I now be thy servant, then thou mayest, then mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. Thou hast not there with thee Zadok and Abathar the priest. Therefore it should be that whatsoever thing thou shalt hear out of the king's house, thou shalt tell it to Zadok and Abathar the priest. Behold, they have there with them their two sons, Ahimaaz, Zadok's son, and Jonathan, Abathar's son. And by them ye shall send unto me everything that ye can hear. So Hushai, David's friend, came into the city, and Absalom came to Jerusalem. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, we have three different individuals who are named here who are going to be a help to David in various places. And if you don't mind, I'd like to highlight each one of them. We are introduced to uh, Ayata in verse number 19. Then the king said to Ayata, I-T-T-A-I, Ayata. Then we find in verse number 24, we find Zadok, Zadok. And then we find in verse number 32, Hushai, Hushai. And with the Lord's help, we're going to highlight each one of these three people, Ayata, Zadok, and Hushai. Each one of these three, we're going to put an emphasis here as David is now fleeing from Jerusalem because of Absalom's rebellion. Each one of these three men, Ayata, Zadok, and Hushai. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And again, as we go through the history of this and we can see the, the, the low points that David is going through, praise the Lord that you would prepared different men to help him out in his time of trouble. And as we look at these different men, we can also realize that ourselves, that each one of us have something we can do in the Lord's work. There is something that we can do and that you can have us to do. I'm asking that you would encourage each one of us that maybe as someone has been looking at their lives and saying, what can I do for the Lord? That you could be an encouragement to them now and let them know that they're necessary in helping with the plans that you have. Again, open up the Bible in a special way. Let us understand the history and the context and that we can apply it rightly. Fill me with your precious spirit again. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, as we gave the context that we could see that Absalom's rebellion is coming up and there are several men that stood by David's side and that these men were used to help David come back to the throne. Each one of these men had different backgrounds. They had different skills, different abilities, but each one can do what they could do. There were some that could not do what the others can do, but each one and everyone can do what they can do. So if you don't mind, let's look and let's examine each one of these three and see the different skill sets that they have in helping David during this time of trouble and the time of building and battling. The very first person we come to is Ayata, Ayata, who we see as the master of the sword. 
Aieta, the master of the sword. Notice with me as we pick it up, verse number 18. 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number uh, 17. And the king went forth and all the people after him and tarried in the place that was afar off. And all of his servants passed on beside him and all the Cherethites and the Pleiathites and all the Gittites, 600 men which came with him from Gath and passed on before the king. Then the king said to Aieta the Gittite, Wherefore goest thou also with us? Return to thy place and abide with the king, for thou art a stranger and also an exile. So we have David and his men that are leaving Jerusalem. As they're leaving Jerusalem, there are several groups of people that come up and ask David, can we help you out? Can we work with you? And one of these people who are leading a group of men is Ayata. Now, here it gives a description of a couple different important things. The first thing we see about Ayata is that he was a Gittite. Well, that may not sound uh, important to you at the moment until you realize that the Gittites come from the city of Gath. Gath is where Goliath was from. It is a city of the Philistines. So who's one of the people that meets David? Ayata, a Philistine, who has a troop of 600 men behind him that says, King, we're with you. Let us know what we could do. We're fighting with you. We're staying with you. Could you imagine this? Philistines who are saying, David, we're fighting with you. You tell us what to do. We're with you all the way. Now, we know that David, in his history, had made two different trips to Gath. The first time he went to Gath, was he was carrying Goliath's sword, and he was running from Saul, and he, uh, instead of seeking God and trusting God, he decided to take matters in his own hands, and he went to the enemy's side. And it's hard to hide who you are when you're dragging Goliath's sword into Gath. It was probably not the best thing. Goliath's sword was this huge thing. Remember, Goliath was nine foot tall, nine feet tall, four inches. That's a pretty tall guy. And if you're going to be a pretty tall guy, you got a big long sword. And so he had David had taken that big long sword and dragged it to Gath and said, "Hey, I'm here to help you." But everyone's looking at that sword and said, hey, isn't this the guy that killed Goliath? Hey, he's the guy. He's our enemy. Next thing David knew is he says, ah, I could see that nobody wants me here. And so he acted like he was crazy and started drooling in his beard. And they said, ah, who wants this crazy guy? And they sent him away. And he said, that didn't work out. Well, the second time David came, he came with his mighty men, 600 men that came. Remember, they're still running from Saul, but he joined up with the Philistines again. This time, the Philistines accepted him, and he worked for the Philistines for a while. And so the Philistines had watched David and his mighty men, and they watched as his men were united in serving David. And as a result of David's time being in that lost world and watching as people were united and serving David, even though he wasn't king yet, 600 Philistines followed David and said, hey, we're going to join with you. And the leader of them was Aieta. And so while David was king, these Philistines were actually part of David's crew and now that Absalom's rebellion is here, these, Dave, these Philistines come up to remind David, we're here with you. We got your back. You let us know what to do, boss. 
and we're with you. Now, David tried to give them leave of their commitment. They made a commitment that we're going to follow after David, but David tried to beg them off and tried to tell them, you do whatever you need to do. You, you don't have to stay. Notice as we pick it up in the text in verse number 20. Whereas thou camest but yesterday, meaning that they've only been following David a short time. Uh, should I this day make thee go up and down with us? He says, you've only been with us for a small time. You don't have to go up and down with us. We're going to be fleeing. We're going to be in different places. You might as well break off now. He, uh, verse 20 again. Seeing that I go where I may, return thou and take back thy brethren. Notice this phrase. Mercy and truth be with thee. David is honestly giving them leave. Hey, I know you made a commitment to help me out. I know you made a commitment to follow me. But now that things have changed, I'm giving you could go ahead and go. And by the way, mercy and peace be with you. That carries the idea that there's not going to be any repercussions. If you decide to take off and take care of your families and take care, you, you are fine. It's not that big of a deal. I'm giving you permission to go. And so when David gave him permission, it wasn't testing his loyalty. It was an honest thing. You go and take off. You go ahead. Uh, you don't have to keep your commitment to me now. I'm giving you permission not to. Notice how they respond in verse 21. And Ayata answered the king and said, as the Lord liveth. Now notice this. It's capital L-O-R-D. This Philistine is saying, as Jehovah God lives. As Jehovah is still the God, and as my Lord the King liveth, and as long as you live, David, so as long as God's on the throne, and as long as you're still alive, David, let me tell you this, I'm following you. Surely in whatever place my Lord the King shall be, whether it in death or life, even there will thy servant be. So here's this loyal man that stands up and says, David, I'm following you. As long as God's on the throne, as long as you're alive, I don't care if death is near or we live, I'm following after you. I'm making a commitment that I'm staying by your side. Notice in verse 22, And David said to Ayata, Go and pass over. And Ayata passed over and his men. And so David said, Go ahead and go. But notice this in verse 22. And David said to Ayata, go and pass over. Ayata the Gittite passed over and his men and all the little ones were with him. He brought his, all these kids with him and said, we want to be with a king. We're bringing him close. Now, this is pretty important. Ayata here was showing his level of commitment. We understand that there are three ways that people can serve the Lord. They could first of all serve the Lord out of discipline, meaning that I have to. And there are some people who serve God because they have to. There's a discipline. There are some people who serve God out of duty, meaning I ought to. This is something I ought to do, and so they do it out of duty. But what we see from Ayata is that he is serving his king based off of devotion. I want to. You understand, to follow after God, God wants us to get to the place where we want to. There are some people who only serve God, come to church, read their Bible because they have to. There are some people who do it because they ought to. But God wants you to get to the place where you're doing it because you want to. And that's Ayata. He, he had permission to go away. He wasn't there because of duty. David wasn't demanding that he stayed. He didn't put a guilt trip on him and say, well, you know what? I'm going to be left by myself, but you go ahead and do whatever you need. He didn't do it as a guilt trip. 
He gave him permission to leave. And Iotus says, no king, I'm here because I want to. I want to. And so he said, mercy and truth be with you. He made the decision. Now, why is this important? Well, Ayata, his skill was he was a soldier. He was a swordsman. His job was to be in the front lines. So when David was going to go through hard times and there was going to be a battle, Ayata was there. If you're going to go in battle, you want someone who's trained. You want someone who knows how to use the sword. You want someone who knows what they're doing. That's part of the frontline battle. The people who are going to be in the front and the trenches, those are the people that you want to know how to do in battle. Now, the Bible always does a, a comparison between the Christian life and that it is a battle. There's the idea of building and battling. The Bible goes as far as to describe that the sword that we have in the Christian life is the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. The people on the front lines of the Christian battle are the people who are masters of the sword. People who know how to use the sword. People who are useful. These are going to be missionaries and pastors and evangelists. These are going to be people who are in the midst and the front lines who are skillful at using the Word and know what they're doing. These are the people that have a certain niche. Not everyone is skillful in the sword. There are some people who know how to pick it up. There are some people that says, I don't know what to do with this. But there are some people who are skillful with the sword. And those are the people you want in the front lines. Which brings us to a second person. Notice if you don't mind, we're introduced to a second person. Not only Ayata, but we're introduced to Zadok. Notice if you don't mind as we pick this up. In verse number 24. And lo, Zadok also, and the Levites were with them, bearing the ark of the covenant of God. And they set down the ark of God. And Abathar went up unto the people, had done passing out of the city. Now, Zadok was completely different than Ayata. Different background, different history. Ayata was a Philistine who was trained for battle. He was trained to use the sword. Zadok was not. Zadok was a priest. His job was to minister inside of the sanctuary, to minister to God, to do God's service. But Zadok and the rest of the priests gathered together in Absalom's rebellion and they said, hey, what are we going to do? Are we going to follow David? What, what should we do? And they agreed among themselves that they were going to follow David. And to show that they followed David, they took the Ark of the Covenant out of the, the tabernacle and they took it out of Jerusalem and followed through. So David's got his camp and Iata's talking with him. And they're gathering up the people as they're fleeing from Jerusalem. Remember at this time that um, Absalom is in Hebron, which is a couple of cities away. So they're basically evacuating knowing that, that, um, <coughs> that Absalom is going to be coming up soon. So they're trying to gather everything together. They're passing over out of the city. David's already leaving. As he's leaving, many people are following with him. Adita is coming. But Zadok and the rest of the priests take the Ark of the Covenant and they take off and they find David. They find David. They set the Ark of the Covenant and said, we're here, boss. We're here for you. We, we understand that you're leaving and to show that we support you, to, to show that God has said David is to be king, not Absalom. We brought the Ark of the Covenant with it. So everyone knows well, notice what David tells to um, Zadok. Notice with me in verse number 26. Uh, verse 25, rather. 
And the king said to Zadok, carry back the ark of the God into the city. And if I find favor in the eyes of God, he will bring me again and show me both it and its habitation. Now, David told Zadok, go back with the ark. I don't need the ark to remind me that I'm supposed to be king. And we don't need the ark of God up here. We don't need a symbol. Remember, that's what the ark of God was in the first place. It was a symbol of God's presence. I don't need a symbol of God's presence. I know God's presence. I don't need a picture, and the people don't need the picture. We don't need to mess with it. We don't need a lucky charm. We don't need these things. Go ahead and bring it back. And by the way, Zadok, you go with them. Now remember, they're going to be traveling, and there's going to be a battle. He said, I tell you, stay with me. I need someone who could fight. But Zadok, he's not trained to fight. So what's going to happen when a battle happens? He's going to be away, in the way. He's going to be someone who's going to be a liability, someone else that they have to be concerned over in order to protect. So he says, Zadok, I want you to go back, bring Abathar, bring the ark with you. And notice what he tells him he wants him to do. Uh, <laughs> verse number 26. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee. Uh, excuse me. Um, verse 27, and the king said also to Zadok the priest, art thou not a seer? That word seer carries the idea of a prophet. He's referring to the office that he's the man of God. And that part of what the high priest's job was to do was to intercede before God. And he says, Zadok, the most important thing I could have you do is not be in the front lines and be in the battle. What I need you to do is I need you to go back and bring the Ark of the Covenant. And I want you to stay there and minister to God inside of the sanctuary. I want you to do your job as a seer, as the high priest. I want you to be in the battle in prayer. I want you to be praying. That's your responsibility. I want you to be praying. Use your talents on David's behalf to pray. And I want you to go back. And so he sent them back with the expectation that they were praying. Now, as we apply this, there are some people who are trained and skilled and masters at using the sword and the spiritual battle. Those are the people you want on the front lines. But you know, there are some people that have the ability to get a hold of God. Now, everyone is supposed to pray, but there are some people who know how to get a hold of God. Some people have learned to intercede, learned to have their prayers answered, learning to talk with God, not talking at God, have learned to grab a hold of the horns of the altar, to get a hold of God. And those type of people are necessary within the battle. Now, everyone is supposed to pray, but there are some people who know how to pray. There are some people who are the most effective. They may not be the best Bible teachers. They may never stand behind a pulpit. They may never teach a Sunday school class. But more things are accomplished because they pray. Because they pray. So Zadok, I don't need you here with me. I don't need you chasing all over the wilderness. Where I need you to be is I need you to be in God's house. I need you to be in the presence of God. And I need you to pray. That's where you are. Zadok, I don't need you with me. Please pray. And so we find that Ayata, he's there. He's the master swordsman. He knows how to pray. He knows how to get, or sorry, he knows how to use the word of God. We have Zadok, who is the, <coughs> the, 
the minister of the sanctuary who knows how to get a hold of God. He knows how to pray. And he's going to be necessary in order to get David back on the throne. After all, we need God's favor. We need God's power. We need someone praying that God would work on this. But then we come to a third guy. A third guy. Notice, if you don't mind, as we pick it up in verse number 31. And one told David, Ahipothel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Now, Ahipothel, we're going to cover in a sermon later on. But let me tell you, when they say this in verse number 31, this is a big deal. If there was one blow, one punch in the gut, one knife that cut David deeper, verse 31 is that blow. And one told David, saying, Ahipothel is part of the conspirators and with Absalom. And David said, Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahipothel to foolishness. Again, we're going to take a whole message on Ahipothel. But Ahipothel was David's counselor. The Bible says Ahipothel's wisdom was so much that when he spoke, people responded to it as if it was the oracles of God. It's almost like someone opened up the Bible and said, this is what you should do. And people responded to it with that. And so for years, years, Ahipothel was David's counselor. And then David heard that Ahipothel had betrayed David and is now working with Absalom. And that he was part of a conspiracy. He was part of the conspiracy. And he realizes that the, his wise counsel is now giving wise counsel to his son, Absalom, in the rebellion. What a blow. Again, it's hard to overemphasize this verse, how important it is. We'll get a whole message to it later. But then enters our third guy in verse 32. And it came to pass that when David was come to the top of the mount where he worshiped God, behold, Hushai the archite came to meet him with his coat rent and his earth upon his head. Now we're introduced to a third guy. Now Ayata was the master of the sword. He knew how to use the sword and he was going to be necessary in the front lines in the battle. Zadok was a priest and it came and was specifically trained to be a part of the priesthood and trained to get a hold of God and was a seer and was the man of God. But here comes Hushai. Hushai has never fought. Hushai has not been trained to be part of the sanctuary. Hushai is one of those guys that says, I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm not the pastor. I can't preach from the pulpit. I'm not an evangelist. I don't know how to do all of that stuff. And, and, and I can pray, but I'm not a prayer warrior like some of these other people are. What can I do in the fight? What can I do? Well, that's a good question. What he could do was something more important. Notice if you don't mind, as David calls him out in verse 32 or 33 unto whom David said if thou passest on with me thou shalt be a burden unto me he says I can't have you with me that's one more person we're going to have to look out for Ayata he could fight we, we could do work with him Zadok I sit back I can't have you go with me I love you too much notice what he said in verse number 37 of Hushai so Hushai David's friend you know what Hushai could do? He may not be on the front lines with the sword. He may not be someone who's able to be a prayer warrior and really get a hold of God. But you know one thing he could do? Is he could be David's friend. He could be the friend of David. What does he want him to do? He wants him to go back. Notice he gives instructions. <clears throat> and verse 34. But... 
If thou return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be thy servant, O king, as I have been thy father's servant, so will I now be thy servant, then thou mayest thou for me defeat the counsel of Ahithophel. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to go back and be my friend. And as you look at what happens in chapter 16, and especially chapter 17, you see Hushai there. And Hushai, he only says one or two words at, at a time. Only says just a couple things. He doesn't say much, long speeches. But what he is, is reminding everyone who David is. He goes back, Ahithophel gives this counsel to Absalom. And then Hushai says, wait a second, you know who David is. And he reminds everyone, reminds Absalom who David is. You know one thing you could do being God's friend? We live in a place where it's full of rebellion. And there's a lot of counsel to rebel even more. You could be a friend and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what our God is. Let me remind you who God is. You know, sometimes it's a telephone call from someone that could encourage someone not to sin. Maybe it's a text message that you get. Someone says, you know what? I'm just praying for you. Just a couple words of friendship. Just a couple words to remind you of who God is. Just a couple words, a note, something that could keep a Christian moving on and not listen to the voice of rebellion. Maybe someone's contemplating not coming to church. Maybe a text message gives them to them and say, you know what? I will come to church. Maybe someone's struggling with sin and maybe they're not reading their Bible and someone just say, hey, I've been praying for you. How's your Bible reading? And maybe just that little word is something they need to keep going on. You say, I may not be the most masterful person in the Bible. I, I can't illiterate. I can't, don't even know what that means. I don't know how to do this stuff. That's fine. There are some people who are skilled and just know how to get a hold of God and are great prayer warriors. And someone says, I don't know how to, I, I can pray, but I don't know how to get a hold of God like all those other people do. But one thing you can do is be a friend. Remind people who God is. Remind people what a great savior that we have. Just a word of encouragement. Just something you can do in the midst of the battle to help someone who may be struggling. You know, it is interesting to see people who come to church and see people who stay to come to church. You know why most people come to church is because they were invited. You know why most people stay according to what people say themselves? Because they have a friend, because so, they feel like someone cares for them. You know how they feel like someone cares for them is when other people care for each other. Hey, how's your Bible reading? What's going on? What's happening in your life? It's those things that keep people staying. It's those type of things. I can't tell you how many times someone come back to church because a church member texted them and called them, visited them and said, hey, am I going to see you in church? It's that small things, that word of encouragement that can turn the tide. I can't tell you how many times someone confessed to me that hey, I was getting ready to commit suicide. I was getting ready to commit sin. I was getting ready to do this. And I got a text from someone and it changed my mind. That word of encouragement. You say, I may not be the master of the Bible. I may not be the prayer warrior. But can you be a friend? 
Can you be a friend? As you go back and look into the future in 2 Samuel chapter 17, you can see that it was Hushai just being a friend overturned everything. Why did Absalom's rebellion fail? Because of Hushai. Now we know that it's God that's using it and God used Hushai in his counsel. But Hushai was the human instrument. Why did it all fall apart? Because of a friend. And you'll notice that in this chapter here, it called Hushai David's friend. And 2 Samuel chapter 17, you know how it describes Hushai? David's friend. Just being a friend is enough that it could overturn a battle in a time of rebellion. We live in a place where there's voices of rebellion all over. Can you at least be a friend. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.